Thank you for joining our podcast from New Life Church Greenbrier. If you're joining us for the first time, we would love to know about it. Just text Greenbrier to 88000 and fill out one of our Connect cards. Now, let's listen in to today's message. But in less than a week, we're going to be celebrating the greatest holiday, and that is Christmas. And I could celebrate uh, Christmas all year, y'all, I'm telling you. But it, my wife will not let me, and it is very frowned upon. But something I do love about the Christmas story, it, uh, the Christmas time is the Christmas story. So I'm going to read from the account in the Gospel of Matthew today, where we're going to get our theme and our title, where it's in Matthew 1, 18 through 23, if you will turn there with me. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Joseph. Son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. We'll get in that in a second. But it says in verse 23, I want you to pay attention to this. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I want you to take note of that. Emmanuel, God is with us. If you're taking notes, that's the, that's the title of today's message. You can put Emmanuel, God with us, God is with us, whatever you want. It's your notes. Do whatever you want, okay? But how many of you would be honest and say, it's been hard to believe that at times in my life? Maybe even recently. It's been hard to believe that God is with me. Maybe it's a pandemic, family illness, um, a job loss, financial struggles, maybe some legal battles in your life, all things, whenever those start to take hold, it gets harder and harder to believe that God is with you. So right now, what I want to do right now is I just want to dive right into what I had talked about in verse 22, and it, and it starts with the prophet Isaiah. And so the thing about the name Emmanuel, it, it is not a personal name. He's not named Emmanuel. His name is Jesus Christ. However, Emmanuel, it highlights something else, and it's in verse 7 through four, verse, chapter 7, verse 14 in Isaiah. It says, all right, then the Lord himself will give you this sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So this was the prophet Isaiah prophesying hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. So in Matthew, this is the fulfilling, again, not the naming of Jesus, but what it really does is highlights his role in bringing God's presence to man. Something I don't know if you realize this, however, God is with us because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, God is with us. And it's not just a prayer. This is a statement. This is to describe the very nature of Jesus, that he is God who has become a man. God is now present with the people to save them as prophesied hundreds of years before by multiple different prophets, major ones like Isaiah and Jeremiah, and then there were some minor prophets that you can see in the Old Testament. And so this was meant to show that the virgin birth of Jesus wasn't something new, but it was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. So what we're going to do is we're just going to jump right into it. Point number one, 
God is with us. God is with us. So I want to read a verse. And so what they've done is they've taken the, the name of who is saying this out. And I want you to guess who's saying this. And it's in Matthew 27, 46. About three in the afternoon, blank cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama shabachtini. You have to really reach back there. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, if, if you guessed Jesus, you were correct. And so what I want to do is I want to put his name back into the verse to emphasize a very important point to you. So let's read it again, but with Jesus back into the verse. Matthew 27, 46. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus. Okay, we all know the same Jesus. It is, in fact, him. And so your, your first thought may be, you know, well, this is kind of weird. We're supposed to be celebrating his birth and we're talking about his death. Sure. But then you may have this other thought. You know, I've grown up in church and I've been around Easter. You probably couldn't have waited four months to talk about his death. No, I couldn't have. I wanted to talk about it today. So, but you're, you're sitting there also wondering, like, I've, I've always read this verse, but I've never really thought about it this way. I mean, you know, his track record and the person he proclaimed to be and the knowledge he had, and he's saying something like this. Here's the deal. If you've ever felt deserted or you've ever felt abandoned by God, you are not an abnormality. You're just human. So welcome to the club. Welcome to the club of the long list and a long line of saints who have come before you, who helped expand our faith, and who were still feeling like you, even the human side of Jesus. And so, for this reason, I encourage you to learn how to hold on to God's word for when the hard places in life come, and they will. You need to understand that God is with us. He is with you. Sometimes he confirms this in different ways. Maybe it's through scripture or through our quiet time with him, but also through people that he sends specifically our way to encourage us, speak, speak calling back into our life and pick us up when we fall. And sometimes we willingly have to go find those people ourselves who will encourage us, who will pick us up when we fall, speak calling and purpose back into our life to remind us that we were made on purpose for a purpose. Point number two, God is in us. God is in us. So what I want to do is highlight not a biblical principle, but one of our biblical pillars that holds up in our entire faith. And it is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay, so my parents described it to me like an apple. You cut it into three slices, put a slice over there, put a slice over here, hold the slice up here. Okay, but if you put them all together, what does that do? It makes the apple up again. It's still the same apple, just three different pieces. It's the same with God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three separate entities, one God. So Jesus, God the Son, was coming down from heaven and was going, ascending up to heaven. I apologize, going back up into heaven while the Holy Spirit was coming down from heaven. I like to think of it, I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling going up. Um, so I just have Nacho Libre as a, as a, I guess, a reference. But the, as a tag team, and I just think of Jesus going, all right, it's your turn. And so he's going back into heaven and the Holy Spirit comes down on the people. Not to just be with us, but if we allow him to, to be in us as well. <clears throat> but when he lives in us, there's more meaning to that phrase than we may realize. The Bible sometimes says the spirit of Christ lives inside believers. That's in Romans 8, 9. And in that same verse, we see the spirit of God. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, we see the Holy Spirit is in us. What does this all mean? What does this all boil down to? What it's, what it's saying is when we believe and accept what Jesus did on the cross, 
for us and we welcome him into our lives to transform us from the inside out, God establishes a relationship. And he establishes a relationship to where we become one with him. In the Bible, it puts it that he is in us and we are in him. Him. We will allow God to come into our lives. That's a choice. There's a special place in our lives that we try to fill. And have you ever noticed you just don't feel satisfied? It's because the only person who can satisfy that area in your heart is God. But the only, as, as quickly as we can welcome him into our lives, it's so easy to kick him right back out because we start to listen to other things more. We start to value other things more. Maybe for some people it's social media. For some people it is news. For some people it's their stances on vaccines and masks. For some people it's their stance, you know, they start to listen to rumors more to gossip more, to the mocking more, rather than what the word of God says more. And so I spoke this message to the youth, so they're probably over there wondering, like, I feel like I've heard this message before. You have, you heard it at the beginning of this month, and it's a little bit more in depth, but I think it's because I wanted to remind you that it's still a daily choice to choose what I'm about to, to present these options to you, to choose Christ and be liberated and free, or choose culture and be bound. Choose church and have a community with you or choose to be isolated and have oppression. Choose to be joyful and righteous or choose sin. But don't make a mistake. The time to make those decisions on what to do is right now. It's not after church. It's not after, you, after lunch today. It's not like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow morning. No, it's, it's sitting in your seat right now. Because here's the deal, whenever you make that right choice day after day, the easier it becomes to say, I choose Christ. Point number three, God is for us. God is for us. Now this goes without saying, God is not against you. He is with you, he is in you, and he is for you. But not in the same way that you are when you're like with your friends, okay? So parents, uh, students, I want you guys to be more interactive. I want you to be an interactive bunch. I want people to leave going, yeah, I really interacted with the pastor today. That's what I want you guys to do, second service. So here's what I want you to do. Parents, students, here we go. So say, for instance, you haven't seen your child all day, parents, okay? And all of a sudden, they walk in, you, you walk into the door. What's the first question, parents, you're going to say? Like, where were you? You haven't talked to them all day. Where were you? And your answer is, I was with my friends. Okay, parents, does that answer all your questions? No. Do you think that answers all their questions? Yes, it does. I, yeah, okay. Yeah, this is a church, by the way. So, no, that, that's, it doesn't answer all your questions. So, however, whenever you say God is with us or I am with God, it's, it's a completely different meaning. What it ends up saying is more than just being in the same vicinity with God, what it's actually saying is God is for you. You see, he didn't just create you and just throw you out and be like, all right, you got it, go for it. That's not what he did. He's not like that family member who's sitting on the couch during Thanksgiving, he's just checking the phone like, all right, just making sure we're still winning, we're good. Like checking the sports game. That's not God, he feels. He's not an emotionless being. It's all throughout the Bible where we see God show characteristics like brokenheartedness, anger, compassion, passion, and love. He feels what we feel and he goes through our pain with us even when he knows what the future has in store for us. We're not some chore to him. He passionately and fervently fights for us, protects us, and defends us. 
It says in Psalm 27, 1 through 3, The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. It also says in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, to us, it's a page flip. But to the people of that time, it was 400 years. 400 years they hadn't heard from God. 400 years they were, they were wandering around. But you can imagine as they're, here's the deal, they're expecting the Messiah any day. So generation after generation, you can imagine the stories that were getting passed down. They're expecting the Messiah. Well, what are you expecting in the people of that time? You're probably expecting spectacle. You're expecting, I don't know, a seven to eight foot tall gladiator type champion who's probably comes down from heaven to rescue the people of Israel, right? And I don't know what he's riding, maybe a horse or some mystical creature. You could, who knows where their minds were, but they were expecting something big. However, Jesus came so humbly as a baby and even yet not born in a palace, but in a manger. That is the savior that you serve. That's the savior that can be with you, that can reside in you, and that is ultimately for you. So in this season, I'm going to challenge you. Don't be focused on the gifts you get, but be focused on the Savior who who came to this world the way he did, lived the way he did, died, resurrected, and ascended back to heaven the way that he did. He's ready when you are. Now, as I close, I was asked to close a little bit differently. I was asked to reflect over the time of, of being here as a youth pastor over this year and a half or so, And I couldn't help but reflect on the person that's standing in front of you right now speaking to you. So if you don't know, I grew up in youth ministry. I mean, literally, there are pictures of whenever I was an infant, a couple weeks old, and my parents were passing me around to students, they were taking pictures, because my parents have been youth pastors ever since I can remember. And so that was up in Indiana, and that's an important spot I want you to remember, in Indiana. And then eventually around eighth grade, we moved to Houston, Texas, okay? Moved to Houston, Texas. My dad wasn't a youth pastor anymore. He was, he's actually a lead pastor right now, but he wasn't my youth pastor anymore. And at that point, between 8th to 12th grade, about every 6 to 8 months, I had a new youth pastor. Imagine every 6 to 8 months getting a new youth pastor. There was no time to connect with them. As soon as you got to know them, they were gone, and then there was a new one. And so it was really hard to be able to connect with them. Well, flash forward a couple more years later, uh, right after high school, I moved to Greenbrier, Arkansas to live with the Sutterfields. We call them the camper days. I lived in their camper. It was the best. It was so awesome. Um, but I, I lived on their property with them, and, and I love that family. You guys will always have a special place in my heart, all of you. Um, but I volunteered in real life. Way back then under Braden Jimerson, he's one of my good friends still to today, back in the 2016 to 2017 year. And then after that, shortly after that, I, I moved to Conway, and I got involved in our Elevation College ministry at Conway, which is great, but something just always stuck with me about the youth of Greenbrier. Just always did. I always kept in contact with them. Every time I saw them, it was like a a reunion. It was so, it was so special. And then a few years later, I remember sitting down with Pastor Tim and Pastor Shelley as they shared their hearts with us about this community, about this church, but more, more importantly to me, the youth. What's interesting is their heart for the youth was the exact same hearts that Alex and I had for their youth. So they asked us to be 
the youth pastors. And before we said yes, as he said, it took us a week. We didn't know that they were praying for months. But for us, it was a week. I sought counsel from upwards of 10 people inside and outside of New Life. And I said, is this right thing? I know I've been called to be a youth pastor all my life, but is this something that is right? I just want to make sure this is of God. And every person came back saying, yes, I feel peace in this. You need to do it. And ever since then, I've wanted to give the students of this church what I didn't have with those other youth pastors. And that is stability and security to remind you that my wife and I, we're here to stay for your youth. We went um, on a mission trip at the beginning of this year in spring break of all times. We were not expecting so many students to want to go to spring break on a mission trip, but they did and they loved it. We took 19 students between the grades of 8th through 12th we served the, the, the community of Orange Beach. We prayed over people. We served people, but ultimately we grew as a ministry in a way that I don't think we would have had we not gone on this trip. And I was actually reminded I was praying in the back of an instance where actually one of the students went on this trip and he said, actually, my parents made me go on this trip and I was planning on never coming back to real life. And I thought, why is that? Now he's the most involved, invested student one of the most involved and invested students in our ministry. And I was wondering, why is he so invested in it? Why? And it's not the ministry itself. It's not our church itself. It's Big C Church. He wants to see his friends come to know Jesus, love Jesus, grow in his relationship with Jesus, and have his friends do the same. So on this mission trip, we had baptisms. And we had several students get baptized. They're going to show the pictures behind me. Um, but what you may not see is you see all the waves behind them. It was, it was, it was, pretty rough uh, waves, but we prayed not that the waves would subside, but more importantly, that the students wouldn't become scared, that they wouldn't let the waves scare them off. What we didn't know, actually, before I get into that, it was actually the first baptism. We were baptizing this young man, my wife and I, and I mean, the waves were pretty rough, and this only happened once, I promise, but I actually got washed down about 20 20 feet from where we were getting baptized, so every kid has their jaw dropped, they're laughing, I'm running, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to, trying to get to them, and so, you know, Salt water is on my nostrils. It was horrible. But <clears throat> we're baptizing students. What we didn't know is in the, on her condo, there was this young girl named Ashley. She was with her parents and grandparents. And she said, she, as she was telling us, she said she felt like God was telling her, that's Ashley right there, that I need to go do that. So she said she ran down. She didn't know how much longer we were going to be there. So she sprinted down with her family. And we, we were wondering, like, who is this family sitting here? So at, at the end of baptisms, I, I sat and I said, Anybody else? I don't want to pressure you. And as soon as I said anybody else, this family walked forward. She told us her story. We baptized her. As soon as she came up out of the water, all of our girls on our trip, they welcomed her. They hugged her. It was such a special moment. And when Alex asked her permission to use the picture, they actually got to talk a little bit. So it was really, it's really something special. And then with 412, we went on our engaged retreat um, a little bit beginning of this semester, middle of the semester. And we actually lost power the first night. And I, we were all frantic. I mean, if you're parents of 412 students who had them go on that trip, you know. And so we're wondering, but there was one pavilion with lights on. There was only one area. And you could imagine 300 middle schoolers, 350 middle schoolers worshiping the name of Jesus. It was powerful. Kids crying, leaders crying. I was crying, and I don't like to admit it, but I was crying. But after realizing this and reflecting on these events over the years, I started realizing that there is a sense of urgency when it comes to the next generation. The world we live in is crazy, and you know it. And that's why there is this urgency that these young people know God and, 
and, and they love God and they know his will for their life. Because ultimately, the, this youth, the, the future of our, this next generation, they're going to be our future doctors, politicians, law enforcement officers, uh, teachers, pastors, pro athletes, whatever, you name it. And dare I even say it, the future, future president of the United States. I know this sounds kind of crazy to think about, but imagine a little baby and little life, a little one to, one to fifth grade, first to fifth grade and kid life, 412 real life students could be leading, possibility of leading our nation one day. I know it's a weird thought to think of, but it's possible. Emmanuel, God is with us now more than ever. This next generation needs to know this and believe this. I have come to know several students over the years who have come to know God and then they eventually fell away in their relationship with God because they listened more to what the enemy was saying rather than what God was saying. And if I, if I may be so bold, if you've been sitting on the fence of serving in, in little life, kid life, 412 or real life, get off the fence and do it. They need you. Don't do it for the leadership. We're not perfect, but do it for this next generation. Because here's the deal, they're not a hindrance. They're not an annoyance. They're our church. And more importantly, we all need to know that God is with us, he's in us, and he's for us. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision for Christ or could use prayer for any area of your life, please let us know. All you have to do is text Greenbrier to 88000 and click on Connect Card. Be sure to join us next week 